0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. And you all know that I don't have a list, that I call it episodes because I always have epic guests. Well, today I have the honor of having one of the most epic guests that we have ever had on the show. Lisa Luckett is an amazing entrepreneur, coach, an extremely motivational speaker, and the author of the beautiful heart-centered book, The Light in 9-11. In addition to all of her professional accolades, she's simply a beautiful, giving human being, full of light that she's more than willing to share with everyone she comes in contact with. I know I've been the recipient of that and I'm grateful to know her and call her my friend. Welcome, Lisa. oh uh,
1: well, Berta, I am overwhelmed by that introduction. <laughs> I hope I can live up to even part of it. Thank you so much.
0: You're just amazing, girl. And I know that you w- that you will. And I'm I'm just so happy that you've made the time. Again, you've been such a blessing to me and everyone that I've been able to share you with comes back sort of like, Hey, Lisa's amazing. And I'm like, I know. So I just love that and love when that happens. And I'm grateful for you making the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you, Berta. And it really does take one to know one. I think all of your listeners would agree. It is the, the term amazing comes up more and more with all the people you've introduced me to. And I find that, that our language is a little limited on expressing just how remarkable so many people are, many, many people.
0: So, Lisa, tell us a little bit about Lisa for those who don't know you. Uh, let's see. Well,
1: I'm about to change a decades. I'm about to turn 60 in September. Uh, I am the mother of three young adults and uh, who I love to death. We are Team Luckett and have been for about 20 years, 19 years since their dad was killed, my husband was killed, in the North Tower of the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001, Um, which is a way we try not to be defined by. We don't live by that as our definition. What we define ourselves by is what we've done to grow from it and the catalyst that it became to make us better for having lived through it.
0: Absolutely. And Lisa has an amazing TED Talk, which I'm going to share in the link when I share the podcast, that just blew me away. I mean, I was immediately captivated because so many of us feel that 9-11 belongs to us all as Americans. But then when you realize and really take a step back and, and feel for those families that have been directly affected It's just amazing how through the reading of the book, Lisa, how you were able to find the light and look for the good in what was happening. And it was really happening all around you and and you embraced it and showed up um, as a recipient of those people who were showing up for you. So I want to, with your permission, talk a little bit about that just because I was so excited about the book from the beginning. How were you able to articulate in the book something that's bringing so much hope to people with everything, especially what we're going through now, finding the light even through a pandemic?
1: Right, and there is a light in this pandemic, actually a brilliant and beautiful light in this pandemic, which we can talk about later. But uh, what really happened on the morning of 9-11 is I let go. I let go of control. I let go and I surrendered. And in that moment, I just followed my intuition. I just followed the guidance in, of the knowing of what to do next, which was not taught to me, which was not being told to me, which showed me the way. And, and I wasn't religious. Um, I've always had a, a deep respect for spirituality and a higher source, a higher power. I never really put a name on it or had a particular affiliation. But I always knew it wasn't me and <laughs> there was more than this. So, but that morning in the, the sheer shock of the situation, um, my story is a long one, which is why there's a book. And, you know, it, to, the, to the listener, of the TED Talk, I won't waste time on this explaining why, but um, it, was a, it gave me permission to do things in following this, this guidance um, to navigate my children through this time. And because things got very, very simple, as they do in trauma, they it really boils down to your family, to your kids, and you know all of that noise that we think about every day just goes away. And you know it's a matter of staying in the moment and doing what you need to do to get to the next moment. Um, The unbelievable kindness that was showered on me that I never expected, which is actually the kindness of strangers. I had friends, of course, my community, our families were too close to it, and we're not. Functional, they're dysfunctional systems to begin with. So they were blown apart further because we actually broke more so where we were already broken. So I couldn't rely on them, in fact. And it was the shocking kindness of strangers that, that love, that unending support that came from me from, to me from every corner of the world to us for not just a few weeks, for months and years and years that kept me buoyant and sustained while I could heal and figure, quote unquote, it out, which was my, my deepest intention of my life to never let Ted and the others die in vain, but to make something good come from this crisis or the, ter- the terrorists would have won and that is not okay. So the only possible thing I could figure to do was to go to the analyst couch and figure it out.
0: Wow, that was quite a journey. And I know you get into it in the book, but was there anything that you can share with someone who's maybe not as open, and, and you know this as well as I do, Lisa, that it doesn't take something as catastrophic to really bring us to the realization that we need to be on that couch? Is there anything you can say to someone who's still guarded and not as vulnerable as they need to be to get to that, that healing that they're looking for?
1: there's a lot that's an action-packed comment and question so first of all vulnerability which we have been shamed about any emotional component in ourselves by our culture for centuries vulnerability is actually the superpower it's when you let down your guard that the richness and the depth of life comes to you so it's the opposite of what you think it's the opposite of the shame and the judgment that comes. Now, people that are going to judge you if you say, I'm going to go to therapy and you get poo-pooed by your family members, which is usually who does it, um, or your friends who are unsupportive. Honestly, at the end of the day, that's really not who you need to be going to for your support. And the truth is, you know, pain is a motivator. So we go to that couch when we really can't get unstuck or we can't figure out what's making us feel so miserable. And so it is honestly the bravest the most courageous thing you can do. It is also the most fascinating, unbelievably inspiring thing you can ever bring to your own life. There is nothing more interesting than studying yourself.
0: Absolutely. I love that Lisa. And I'm curious to know, because I know that a part of your journey is being a stand to those people who might not have that light or that direct connection to knowing that that light is there and and how to focus on the good. So was there there's a part in your book which I love where you talk about optimism, which I'm a big fan of. And how you got to one point where you said that you simply couldn't even achieve focusing on the negative. Can you tell me how that self-work that you did to find yourself, did that help change what was going on or was that optimism always something that was part of your dna i love that and in that receptivity you really were giving which is something that is so natural to you lisa and i remember reading a story in, about one of your neighbors who left a card wishing you a happy new year and please don't move <laughs> I remember, tell us a little bit about that
1: okay so the half glass full half glass empty Right? I was born with a half glass full. I was given a life experience of the half glass half empty, but we are who we are fundamentally from our DNA. So, yes, I've, I've always had more of a positive nature. Um, but honestly, what I want to share with people is it's not 9 11 as a trauma, and it's really this is not a story about 9 11. This is a story about healing from any trauma and the actual service that trauma provides, which is the opener to a higher place, to the opportunity to become a source of enlightenment, to receive enlightenment. And the pain is actually the rocket fuel to take you there because you are going to do anything you can to get that pain to stop. And if that means you're gonna trust and, and allow this thing you're being shown to really believe, like we don't, I didn't doubt it. That positivity, I could not stop seeing the positive in everything. I literally, it was because I was being shown a remarkable human goodness, or I term it godness, you know, one less O, so, and in goodness. But humanity is very, very good, very basically good. Uh, we're taught our hate, right? We're taught our divisiveness. And the truth is, at the end of the day, we really are, most souls are very, very, very decent and kind. Um, so, but we can't share that kindness unless we're allowed to give it right. So if somebody's in a place of trauma, of a death or a, or a diagnosis or a sick child of some kind, you know, you have to allow people to help you, let them in that there's this stoicness, especially the American model stoicness from our forefathers 400 plus years ago, where they came here and they just muscled through. That's actually, we were kind of given the wrong information. The truth is we need each other right? We need to help each other because if I block you from helping me at a time of trauma, 9-11 being an excellent example, because that was a collective trauma. I just happen to have one of the most extreme versions of it, but it affected everybody. You know, if I had blocked people, they couldn't have fed their souls. They couldn't have healed themselves by giving to me. So did I like receiving? No, not at all, but I knew it was the right
0: thing. I love that. And in that receptivity, you really were giving, which is something that is so natural to you, Lisa. And I remember reading a story about one of your neighbors who left a card wishing you a happy new year and please don't move. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that.
1: You know, little did they, I hadn't seen them and it was anonymous, right? And, And just this unbelievable thoughtfulness that came out of left field at a time when I was being crushed. By my family unit, so you know, like these gifts from God, and these 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 these—they're not just signs; they're directional. Um, you know that that basically come to you when you need them, and and it's almost like the more pain, the bigger they are, the more meaningful they are, because you're also you know more tuned in. Pain tunes you in; it absolutely becomes very acute. What's happening, um, and certain things really resonate. So it's a time of really great wonder when you're in, if you can be in your grief and in your pain and just allow it to serve you as it's meant to in nature, we wouldn't have pain unless it was necessary. Nature's in perfect balance. So, you know, it's, it's, we fight it, right? We fight and we've been told, as I say, a lot of the incorrect information based on a lot of generational fear and and things have been passed forward to us that really wasn't right.
0: Yes, and I agree with you. So much of it is learned. And the generation that's teaching us, whether subtle or not, they just learned it from who was teaching them. I talk about that a lot. And there's a story of this newlywed uh, who she's going to make a beautiful dinner for her new husband, and she's going to make him a rump roast. So she takes her mom's recipe, and she, he brings over the roast, and they're getting ready to cook it, and she cuts it in half. And the husband says, why did you cut that in half? And she says, well, this is my mom's recipe, and that's how she always does it. So he says, but why does she do that? So they call the mom, and they say, hey, listen, I'm making your rump roast recipe. What happens? We're getting to that part, and I cut the roast in half, and he's asking me, why do you cut the roast? And she says, oh, I don't know. I just do it that way because that's my mom's recipe. So they call the grandmother and they're all on the phone and they're asking the grandmother, telling her, listen, we're doing working on the recipe. And I got to this part and I'm cutting the recipe in half. And so and so is asking me why I cut it. Why do you cut the rump roast in half? And she says, well, I always cut it because my oven wasn't big enough for the whole thing. So they all start, you know, laughing and the truth is that we just keep the tradition going. We're not asking questions. We're not knowing. We don't we're not being curious enough. So I love that you said that because I remember that you mentioned uh, that so many of the gifts came from your intention to heal your emotional broken bones. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. You talk about that self-trust. You talk about that reliance. Can you speak a little into that space of what a gift it is for us to sometimes be broken and have to build ourselves back up.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's in the breaking. It's in that reformation very much where we are globally right now as to what that's going to look like. We have an opportunity to come out of it better for having lived it. And that's really the litmus test of everything is when you get to the other side or as you're going through anything, you know, the question is, it's not is This happening to me. You're not a victim. It's actually happening for you so that you can become the student observer of your life. So it's really, I, I refer to like a 10,000 foot view a lot. Like that's where the mental health aspect of go to the couch and find out, really dig down to why you're making the decisions you're making. Well, very much they're like the rump roast analogy. We're moving forward like lemmings. We're just blindly following what was taught to us before without ever questioning the root of the of, of how that Knowledge was found. And so much of it is built based on fear and very, very different, different life experience that served then, but does not in any way serve now. And that's really going forward in the generations of the millennials and and Gen Z and then Gen Alpha, Gen Omega. Those are going to have very, very, the world's looking very different for the 40 and unders. And, you know, part of our job as I'm a, I'm a second, I'm a early baby, a late baby boomer, so I'm in 60, so are you, that we, you know, we have a different view of even people in the beginning of our, of the older baby boomers, you know, the early baby boomers have very different perceptions than we do. So those are eight year swings. We can't assume what worked eight years ago, 10 years ago is ever going to work now. You know, things just need to be questioned. It's not that they're always wrong. They can be morphed and sometimes they do still work. Some of that foundational stuff is important, but it's important to just not blindly follow.
0: Lisa, because I know that you are so close to your kids and they're at that young adult age where it's so much fun to see who they're becoming and who they're morphing into. How do you see that they're doing it differently than we were doing it?
1: Right. Isn't this fun? This is, it's so much fun to talk about them. It's so much fun to talk about the future, especially at a time now where everybody, everything is literally like 52 cars thrown up in the air. Nobody knows where things are going to land. But I am very trusting and positive that it's going to land better. And I really have incredible faith in the young people of our country because we have actually raised them so differently. Yes. So they don't, they are not racist. They don't see gender issues. And it's because they've been grown, you know, the millennials are a pivotal generation, much like the baby boomers are a pivotal generation out of, you know, the, the generation that went from staunch conservatism of before, you know, the post-60s. Now we have another transitional in the millennials where they were allowed to speak their minds. They were allowed to confront authority. They were allowed to talk back which we were never allowed, you know, we lived in a world where children were to be seen and not heard, which did an enormous amount of damage to the psyche, to the ego. That's why so many of us need to be in therapy because we need to unwrite all of that incorrect learning. And, but with, with our children and granted, there's good sides and bad sides to all of it, right? So the millennials, I love the fact that everybody's like, oh, they're so entitled. They're so entitled. Well, we did that. We're the we're the problem, you know. But we overcorrected for a reason, and we overcorrected because we recognized we were not seen and heard, and it hurt our lives, it hurt our self esteem. So we overcorrected, and we gave them everything, and then we realized we went a little too far on that pendulum. Now it's like the Gen Zers, who are actually my kids, you know, kind of born late '90s on, um, that you they are kind of settling more back in the middle. Where they like more structure, they, you know, we we they are polite. Um, many of those early millennials were more like latchkey. The generation that's in between is Gen X and Gen Y, and they were the latchkey kids who made yeah. dinner for the parents or were at work. You know, the, the millennials were, were more of a daycare mentality of generation that that you can mom can may have a career and have kids and it's all gonna work. Well, you're then farming out, raising the children. So where's that emotional connection that children get from literally just being held by their moms, not being prop fed in a car seat. Not that there's anything wrong with it, it's just an emotional disconnection. So the truth about entitlement, which I think is very interesting, is we are all entitled. This entire population is entitled. So no pointing fingers is all my point. is my point. But to let them not be afraid of their world, how wrong of us to constantly bring fear into their existence. They're not afraid of their world any more than we were afraid of ours.
0: Right. Especially given that it's very different. It's a very, very different world for them. And they're dealing with things that we maybe didn't have to deal with. But at the same time, it's what you said. We've empowered them to be entitled. And I don't think like you, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, I raised my kids to have and feel and believe what I didn't have. I just, I didn't have access to that. And our parents were doing the best that they could with the tools that they had. So we have better tools, and our children will have better tools yet. You know, I see it now with my daughter and and the way that she's raising our granddaughter. And I love the elasticity of her even taking, you know, the way that she was raised herself and taking it a step further to be intentional. It was so funny to me, Lisa, because I read that all of your grandparents were born in 1907. <laughs> now, what are the chances of that?
1: It's like numerology. I have no idea. But, you know, the the point is that actually everybody under 40 has lived in the world of technology, which never existed before. So, you know, that's where the real pivot is. And that's why the future is the future. And we, anybody who... Anytime you feel uncomfortable and we feel like we're behind the eight ball and we're constantly catching and we really don't understand, which I feel pretty much daily when it comes to technology, you know, right? I mean, we're just scrambling all the time. It is second nature to them. And that's why the world is changing. And it's a global world. We no longer have national lines. It's really, and, and, you know, I know we're really struggling right now in our country politically, but given time, listen, 10 years from now, two more election cycles, I'll, we'll be 70, you know, my daughter will be 36, your daughter will be 40, 42. You know what I mean? It's their world. We just need to get out of the way. And if we can support them positively, instead of creating this division and asking them, what do they need? You know, we want to be useful in the form of wisdom. Time on the planet does matter. Right. And if the lesson that I realized more than anything today is we control nothing, we. <laughs> <laughs> we have no control. Like, what are we thinking we can control something? We don't control anything. You might be able to control yourself.
0: Yeah. If you're having a good day. Right. And then you're kind of, you know, and then the days you can't,
1: you just can't even stand. What? So that's the point is, is letting go of control. And that circles back to my story, to 9-11, to trauma. Trauma forces you to let go. It forces you to literally stop where you stand. And- in in the situation i had i was in this strangely objective place because i'd been bizarrely prepared for ted's death unknowingly but but, the, but but when it happened that morning i was literally standing like 10 feet back from the edge while everybody else was teetering almost falling into the abyss out of complete and utter shock so it gave Hi. me a, this this margin right this 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 cushion to observe and not only myself, but it's, and again, heightened states of awareness come with extraordinary emotional pain and physical pain. So, you know, of which trauma brings both. So, but it's all for a purpose, I guess, is my point, And not to be like leaning more into it than reeling back from it.
0: Yes. And I love that. You took so much of what you were going through and out of the kindness of strangers and that strength and vulnerability and, and and again, that willingness to be vulnerable, that strength that you brought forth and really put yourself in a position to how can I serve others? I, w- I want to talk for a minute about how Cosmina Enlightened Living came to be, if you're willing to share, because I, I just love, number one, how that came to be and what it stands for.
1: Uh, I, I hope so. The biggest challenge of Cosmina is putting it down the funnel to explain it succinctly. And I've spent 15 years trying to do that. So. What Cosmina Enlightened Living is, it's a brand of kindness. And so within a few weeks of 9-11, I went to the analyst couch. I decided to put my 40, first 40 years of dysfunction out for, to, to peel through and sort through and figure out. In doing so, I spent about four years there. And one day I said something or she said something to me and all of a sudden it all fell into place. Um, and, you know, and what therapy, what analysis does is it peels back the layers of dysfunction. You analyze them and then they kind of dissipate and go away. You couldn't even really tell you. I couldn't tell you what I was even talking about then. But you get back, back to a place where you're clear, right? You, you've literally decluttered long enough. And this is what I believe is accessible to many, many people within analysis and good therapy if they're willing to put that vulnerability out there. And that is to just be totally honest in your story your faults, your gifts, all of it. And it opens up an opportunity. So what happened was I ended up getting really an existential download of this brand. It came in in it's completion. You hear about people that get songs like the Beatles songs came through them in completion. You hear there's many, many channeled works. I didn't know even know these words then, but I knew it was coming through me. I knew it wasn't mine. It was just being filtered through me and I was doing everything I could to re- to process it and understand it and try to put it out there. And I just wanted to give it to everyone. But that sounded insane. I mean, people would look at me like I would try to explain it and I didn't have the words and it looked like I had three heads and they would kind of glaze over and I'd say, okay, I guess I have to stop. But the point being is digest it down. What Kosmina is, is a lifestyle where you live in the moment with gratitude, humility, and grace, where there's no judgment or criticism of yourself or others and kindness is the golden rule. I love it. So it's, it's a lifestyle platform. It's a political platform. It's a spiritual platform. And it's a combination of a lifetime of study and experience that, but I didn't know that's original for me, but it's similar to many, many things. Because there really aren't that many new thoughts in the world. We're just repurposing the old ones that work.
0: Right. I love that. Love that.
1: I'm sorry, so it's like a 21st century version of a higher power. So it's it's God, if you will, without the punitive fear, scarcity, punishment aspects that God has carried with us through a religious training for, you know,
0: the centuries. Right. And I think what happens is, and you talk about going back 10, 15 years, but it's as relevant as it is timeless. And I think now more than ever, where there's an opportunity, as you said before, for us to really show up. Now, because we're facing something on such a global scale, and I'm not a big news person. In fact, I stay away from it like the plague, but there's so much good going on in this world. It's just nobody's talking about it. It doesn't sell as much.
1: Well, that's the big myth. I was in, I was in the radio industry in New York for 15 years, and, and I say this as often as possible. The, the media is not a public service. The media is a for-profit business, and fear sells better than anything. Just look at the Weather Channel. How can there be so many catastrophic storms that end yeah. up dissipating and never having rain? I mean, you just really, it's become very, we can't trust it. It's not healthy. I'm with you. It's why we like each other. I don't, I yeah. re- never turn on the news. I read, so I'm informed, but I, you know, I read several things. And the irony is, if you get the news briefs, they are actually reporting the same five stories in the same five, in the same order. And it's because they're all taking it off the same news source. So your point is that there's so much good stuff happening in the world, but nobody's reporting on it because it's, it's just not sexy. And then what's, you know, I said for years, like, if we could just make kindness sexy, we could change the world. So, you know, that would be, that would be a a really fun proposal. Like, how do we make this as attractive as fear and
0: death? I don't know. I'm going to tell you, Lisa, you can make, I mean, kindness, sexy. I know it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. And you're doing it already. And you got in there and figured it out. I know with therapy and with coaching, we have to be willing to get our hands dirty. And like you said, that, that willingness to come from a place of honesty and to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I just see, let's just see what's there. Bring it out into the light. Play with it. Correct what needs to be correct, you know, corrected and move on. It's just, it's just less heavy.
1: We've, we've lived in a perfection model, which is ridiculous because there is no perfection. <laughs> or the other way to look at it is everything's perfect. And that the idea is that it's actually perfectly imperfect. And we are here for contrast, right? This is a, we're having a, a spiritual entity having a physical experience in a 3D dimensional planet Earth. We come here for contrast. We cannot learn without struggle. We're not here to be happy. Happiness comes when you figured whatever it is out from your struggle. So if we reframe that, and and I do say this at the end of the TED, is that, you know, life is our classroom. The struggles are the lessons. And And it's actually standing back and evaluating it instead of being so emotionally dramatic about things and being so victimized by it, but shift and say, what did I learn from this? You know, and, and that's the future. The future is emotional intelligence. That's the piece that wasn't served on 9-11 out of the mind, body, spirit, right? So there's a three-legged stool. Um, we've super hyper-served academics, we know that, and intellect in this culture and around the world, so that, you know, when you're getting 1600s and 4.0s on a regular basis and tutoring for yes. better A's, have we not maximized academics? Right. When right. physical fitness requires steroids to compete, have we not maximized physical fitness? Well, we've done nothing short of a little bit of religious religious education that really doesn't serve most people. We did nothing. So on nine eleven, we fell over, the stool just tipped over because that leg doesn't exist. But we have the resources, we can, and that's what the new generations are gonna do. They're there now, there's so much more gender fluidity, right, there's so much more androgyny. The human species is actually evolving in real time and it's fascinating and amazing gift to us all to be here to witness it with, of, of ourselves. We're watching the evolution of humanity now, really happening. Physically, emotionally, you know, it's exciting. And that's why COVID is so fascinating to me. The light in COVID is that Mother Nature basically said, you know what, like humanity, you're doing it wrong. So here you go. You get a timeout. Yeah. It's not about social media. It's not the race yeah. to know where, where are we going? Where are we going when we're pushing our kids so hard in these tight lanes of academics and, you know, and money, 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 money. Nobody, money does not make you happy. I think most people understand that. You know, it's what the journey to get to the money. It's the relationships that went along the way. It's being that decency, serving. So we're figuring that out. And that's what our kids are knowing. And that's what's coming out of all of this. You know, the fact that the George Floyd movement finally gained some traction because we were quiet enough to receive it, for it to get its time in the spotlight because so, so many opportunities flew by us like trains on a track. Would buy it, but it just didn't hold. Didn't hold, didn't hold because so many shiny objects keep distracting us out of social media. So now COVID has slowed us down. We need to slow down. It's not comfortable. We're going to have to pay a price for it, but we can be better for it.
0: I totally agree with you, Lisa. I know there's so much, and I'm not belittling or discounting the fact that people have lost loved ones and there's been so much fear and uncertainty around all of this, but I think it really has, like you said been there's been so much light even in this pandemic
1: well all due respect on a much again that's not that's not to discredit anyone's loss I, I don't mean to say it that way or be insensitive but but from a globe I see things I'm, I'm a visionary thinker so I really see things yeah. in these global ways and I kind of thought everybody was but have learned yeah. over time that that's not always the case so yes you know it, it, there have been some very sad losses and we're going to have more But what I would say to that, and I don't mean to seem contrarian here, but we're trying, what what happened with 9-11 is it was equated to Pearl Harbor. Well, those are really actually very different situations. It was American soil, but one was a military operation in the Pacific, you know, one was innocent, civilian terrorist, very different. But humanity and the news media Need to draw correlations. So we have this pandemic being drawn correlated to the 1918 pandemic, at which 30 30 30 percent of the population died. 30 percent. This is being treated like 30 percent. It's really 3 percent. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not painful, and it doesn't mean we don't we aren't respectful. We're actually, though, honestly, it could be so much worse. And that's what happened to me on the morning of 9-11, because Ted walked down in the bombing of the Trade Centers in 1993, when it was at 1230 in the afternoon, and those buildings were full. And one of the first awarenesses I had that morning when the smoke cleared, no pun intended, was, oh my God, it could be so much worse. It could be 1230 in the afternoon, and those buildings could be full, and we could be burying thousands more people. And we would have been burying thousands more people than at 9 o'clock in the morning. So that's my point. and And no disrespect in any way. Um, you know, I really have great compassion for any loss. I really do. But, but, you know, if it's again, it could always be worse. And I think, you know, we should, there's a lot of gratitude in that.
0: I agree. And I say that all the time. And like you, I'm trying to be respectful, but there's just been a lot of light, as you said. Lisa, you are just amazing. Can you please tell our audience how they can find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Uh,
1: well, there's the easiest way is Lisa at and it's L-U-C-K-E-T-T. That's actually the author website for the book. Um, but it's the most current. And then Cosmina, which is a made up word meaning where coziness meets glamour. And it's <laughs> spelled and there's a whole story about that, of course. Uh, C O Z is in zebra, M E E N A. And that's because I, it was a Cosmina like a Pashmina. It's a big shawl, a big warm shawl, which is all part of the story. But I didn't know how to spell Pashmina because I'm a terrible speller. So, <laughs> so not, yeah. So yeah, that's the long version, but
0: I love it, girl. So Lisa looking beyond to the rest of 2020 and beyond, I know that you are an amazing coach who is really bringing people into that light and into that fullness of what they deserve to be. What do you see the next four months and beyond looking like for Lisa? Uh,
1: more conscious study. I'm in a time of learning and growth myself. I mean, I think what we all on a macro level, everything in my world is micro and macro. It's, it's, if you look at your life, what you're living through is very often replicated at a global level on the macro. And that's always how I seem to see things. So this is a time of rebirth. Um, coaching for me, learning this new skill set, this new craft, which ultimately is the ultimate service, right? To help people find their way in their life and the, enjoy the best possible life they can have without shame, right? In a safe in place that, that just is so empowering. And the truth is, long story short, Mother Teresa said, you know, you can only affect those along your path. And I had visions of grandeur, which is another long story of my upbringing and very grandiose narcissistic parents that just saw the big, big, you know, themselves as so big. I saw myself talking to people, stadiums filled with people. The truth is, it's really one person at a time. Yeah. And that's, that's the future, I think, is just slowing down, being calm, going the peace, understanding the wisdom of being quiet and all that comes when you are quiet.
0: I just love that, Lisa. Before we go, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: That everything you do will take longer and will cost more money.
0: <laughs>
1: That's kind of an entrepreneurial side of things. One of our, our mantra in this family is it's the heart that makes it great from the movie A League of Their Own. You know, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. And it's the hard that makes it great. So the struggle is where the, the juice is and um, and to just lean in. And from it, you will just reap unbelievable reward.
0: Lisa, I love it. And I love you. And I am so grateful to, to you for coming on and for making the time. And listen, girl, we have a mountain coming up, don't we?
1: Uh, we have a mountain weekend coming up. And I'm, I think it's a trip back to Kilimanjaro. Berta, I would follow you anywhere, literally. <laughs> and I hope to do so.
0: Planet, Thank you for being here, my friend, and for being who you are and, and such an inspiration. And for letting me show you off to everyone as my friend. And I am so beyond grateful for you. All right, folks. So you heard it here. Go out there and do good. Be great and go play outside.